welcome to the Chronic Sex Podcast. Chronic Sex talks about how self-love, relationships, sex, and sexuality are all affected by chronic illness and disability. That's not all, though. We'll also touch on intersectionality, social justice, empathy, current events, and much, much more. Given the range of subject matter, this podcast is not suitable for those under the age of 18, and unless you have headphones, you probably shouldn't be listening to us at work. My name's Kirsten Schultz, and I'm your host. Hey, everyone. Um, This is episode four, right? I think. Um, And... Before I actually get started talking about the episode, I want to make a few updates slash notes slash whatever. One is I have a cold, and so I probably sound really nasally as fuck. And, you know, um, at this point, I'm more clearing my throat than anything else. So you may hear that. You may hear a little coughing. Probably not too much sniffling, but um, if I do that, I will try to not do it in the microphone so you don't get that old man, like, hacking into your ear noise. Um, Second is that I moved my recording studio down to my living room from my loft, and I can't remember if I said anything about that. Um, I, it's easier to be down here. It's not so warm. I don't overheat as much. Um, It's not up a flight of stairs. (laughs) And the floor is not covered with goodies from the University of Guelph Sexuality Conference from June. <laughs> so um, it's, it's a good thing. But with uh, that said, the guinea pigs are about 10 feet away from me in their very large house. And um, because of that, you may hear water bottle noises, chewing paper noises, talking, chirping, rustling hay, all that kind of good stuff. Um, they're very cute and a very attentive audience. They love to hear me talk. Um, it's very, very cute. Actually, fun thing. Last night I went to the bathroom and I did not tell them that I was going to go in the other room and go to the bathroom. And they were both very concerned that I had left the room. And my husband was like, hey, it's okay, calm down. And I could hear them from the bathroom, like, squeakity squawking, like, what are you doing? Where are you? It's very, very cute. Um, When my husband's not home, I pee with the door open so that I can, like, talk to them if that happens. Probably TMI, but there's no TMI here, right? No. Um, And then, last thing, before I get to actual episode content, um, I have updated kind of my list of events going on and just want to... um, share those again. This weekend, I will be at the Playground Conference in Toronto. Um, I'm presenting with some of my faves on Sunday the 25th at 10.30 a.m. Eastern in the Wellesley Room. You can get single session or single day tickets if you want um, at the Playground Conference website. And um, there's a link to that on chroniccex.org because I have a post where I talk about, hey, come hang out. Um, also on the site are tickets for my March 7th workshop at Good For Her in Toronto. Um, that's right. I will be driving back up there again and enjoying my time. Um, I, that morning I actually have an interview with, 
um, a local TV station. So I'm really grateful for Good For Her for being able to kind of squeeze me in uh, last minute for that um, to, to make my trip a little uh, more worth it. <laughs> um, and uh, a note about that space is it's not super accessible. Um it's on the second floor and there are no elevators or anything, just stairs. So keep that in mind if that's something you want to come to. I believe the tickets are 35 bucks each. Um, but that's all, again, on my site or at the Good For Her site. Um, and then on March 21st, I'll be presenting at Planned Parenthood's Save Healthy Strong Milwaukee. Um, that is at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Um... At the beginning of April, I'll be presenting on multiple panels at Clexicon um, in Las Vegas, and that is the weekend of April 5th. I think the 5th is that Thursday. Um, I'm really excited. I get to be on a panel with August uh, McLaughlin. Oh, my God. I probably butchered her last name. The gal that writes and does the stuff for Girl Boner. Um, So I'm really, really excited. She just added me on Facebook, and I freaked out a little bit. It's fine. Um, (laughs) But one of the panels um, is about disability queer representation. Um, One of them is about... It's it's titled Let's Get Clitorate, about queer sex ed. And... um, I've signed up to help with others if needed, so I um, haven't heard back on those, and I will keep you guys updated on my very busy weekend. Excuse me. And then later in April, I'll be presenting at the University of Wisconsin's Wisqueer Conference. It's the first ever conference they've had um, under that name. I'm very excited. That is, um, I think it's the 21st and 22nd. I don't know what day um, stuff is going down yet. So I will keep you guys updated. And then um, in May, I'll be presenting at Tool Shed in Milwaukee, one of my absolute favorite places. And the very first, um, you know, sex positive, sex education focused sex shop I ever went into. Um, I'm so excited. So, 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 so excited. And that is um, tentatively May 10th. And I think tickets are 15 a person, 25 a couple, or, you know, two people. You don't have to be a couple. It's fine. Um, (laughs) And then I'll, I'll I'll get details up once that's up with tickets ready to snag. Um, and then the last one for now is I'll be presenting at Polly Dallas the weekend of my husband's birthday, ironically, um, July 13th through 15th and, um, talking about how like chronic health issues, disability, pain, et cetera, can play with our notions, um, of polyamory and make it harder or easier depending on, um, you know, what's going on. So, pretty excited about that um okay i think that's it for now for updates so let's get into today's fucking meaty bullshit because jesus christ y'all okay i paused to cough i did um (laughs) anyway so so today's episode uh with last week's 
House approval of HR 620. I, I wanted to go over some of this shit, okay? Because um, I'm upset, I'm angry, and yeah, <laughs> that's how I do things, right? So, um, HR 620 is the ADA Education and Reform Act of 2017, which is fucking bullshit. It doesn't reform anything, so fuck shit up. And I'm sorry, super angry. Um, (laughs) So what is the ADA? What do you know about the ADA? Let's get into some of that history, right? So the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed on July 26, 1990. I was two. Um, We had no idea that it was something I would come to rely on within a few years. And, um, you know, even when I was slightly older, right around the time I got sick, you know, I would see pictures of the crawl on Washington and of all of these amazing people with disabilities who sacrificed their health and well-being to, you know, pop out of wheelchairs, throw down their assistive devices, and literally crawl up the steps of Congress and tell them that this shit is fucked up. Um, like, honestly, it, it's still really impactful but like I would cry when I was little because it was just so I don't know it was so profound in a way I I don't think I had words to describe yet and something so meaningful and not in an inspiration porn way right like we're talking I was already sick I was already told I would be in a wheelchair by the time I was eight I'm not right now um but you know getting there maybe we'll see (laughs) but um you know it's something that I I could understand some of the gravity around um without knowing some of this history um in reality the ADA started long before 1990 um the the process towards getting the ADA passed at least um nearly two decades earlier 1973 Rehabilitation Act Section 504 banned discrimination because of disability from entities that received federal funding. Uh, 504 was also really the first piece of legislation that acknowledged disabilities as one marginalized group. You know, there were things that would be, well, you can't be mean to these people, you can't be mean to those people, but it hadn't been talked about as disability being one group, as we face marginalization. Um, you know, if you consider the fact that up until 1994, 95, uh, a lot of the very scary institutions where people would send their children away because they just couldn't handle them or didn't want to deal with them having disabilities, um, you know, some of the worst ones weren't closed until 1994-95. It's a little amazing to consider the fact that back in 1973, we have the Section 504 passed. Um, and a 504 also is, you know, one of, one of the things that that does is create kind of an alternative to an IEP or individual education plan in schools so that you have one that is set up because of a disability or, you know, chronic health issue that is not 
an IEP. It's actually a Section 504 is what it's um, kind of referred to, or a 504 plan, which is kind of cool. Anyway, um, you know, we, we all know there's a lot of variation on how disability affects our lives, but it's, it's nice to be seen as that group. It took a long time, though, for 504 to get enforcement rules around it. Took sit-ins, legal filings, lawsuits, more. Between the introduction of this legislation and the ADA, several pieces of legislation were championed or fought against by our awesome siblings in illness, pain, and disability, um, including the Civil Rights Restoration Act and the Fair Housing Act, which all you know, kind of passed in the interim there. The first version of the ADA was introduced by Senator Weicker and Representative Coelho in April 1998, which is the month I was born. It's slightly older than me, technically. Um, (laughs) Activists and members of disability organizations went around locally and nationally trying to explain why the ADA was needed throughout the year. Even though it wasn't seen as something that was an immediate need, something that needed to be accomplished during the 100th Congress, um, it was seen as something that needed to be addressed fairly soon. And so it was reintroduced in May 1989 during the 101st Congress um, by Senators Harkin and Durenberger and Representatives Coelho and Fish. Again, disability activists all over the country talk locally and in D.C. about what they faced, how they were banned from movie theaters because of their conditions or turned away from other businesses. By September of that year, um, again, this is 1989, after hearing from thousands of disabled people, the Senate voted to push the ADA forward. The House took its goddamn time running legislation through an unprecedented four committees because the house is fucking bonkers. That was really ableist to me, but they pissed me off, and I'm really sorry. They're not bonkers. They're just very inefficient and super fucking rude. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> the ADA was finally signed um, into law on July 26, 1990. Titles 1 through 3 that um, dealt with employment, State slash local government and public accommodations were deemed effective as of July 26, 1992, so two years later. The fourth piece on telecommunications didn't take effect until 1993. Um, in 2008, President G.W. Bush signed the ADA Amendments Act, or ADAAA, counteracting some of the narrow interpretations on disability used in the past. Those became effective in 2009. The next few years saw improvements and updates to just about every part of the ADA, including better transportation regulations. So the ADA turned 25 in 2015, but a lot remains to happen with it. Um, A lot of businesses and housing buildings are grandfathered in, so they don't have to consider making changes to either bring buildings up to code or... um, you know, have disability parking, accessible parking, ramps, (laughs) removing stairs, those kinds of things. Uh, Our first apartment together here in Madison, um, my husband and I lived on the first floor, which was good for me. Um, But like the main entrance to the apartment building, if you came in through the main parking lot, there were steps. Um, 
and very heavy doors that were not timed well between like unlocking and opening. And um, there was an elevator, which was good. But if you were parking in the garage, you either had to take the elevator up the one floor or do two flights or a flight, you know, the the two different directions of stairs um, to get up to the main floor. And there was no disabled parking whatsoever, which was incredibly frustrating because random people would park wherever. And it would have been really nice to have like a designated spot before we paid an extra $40 a month to have that spot in the garage. Because <laughs> sometimes this meant I had to park, like, on the street and walk pretty far and then go up steps to get into the building, which was not the best. Um, but that's an example of a building that's grandfathered in because it was, you know, built before ADA regulations. Um, you know, they basically don't have to face consequences for not having those things figured out um, and uh, fixed. They, they don't have to deal with that. <clears throat> they do have to consider these kinds of things for future builds, or at least they're supposed to. So newer buildings are going to have to have, you know, disabled parking, um, closer to the entrance, various ways of getting from one level to another, um, and, and those kinds of things. So we have these regulations, but what happens when there's an issue? Like right now, what happens? There's two options. Um, you face an issue, like, like here's how it really happens, right? Before it gets to like the big giant level is we usually go and say something to that business, right? Like, hey guys, there's people parking in your disabled parking that aren't supposed to be there and you only have one disabled parking spot. Like, the fuck's up with that? Um, or, hey, Target, um, why do you guys have these things in your disabled parking spots that aren't, like, cars? Um, <laughs> that was a couple months ago. It pissed me the fuck off. It took them almost a month to move those things and I had to threaten to report them on violating things before they actually moved them. It was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and any, anyway, like that's what happens is we try to talk to the business, right? We, we do try to say, Hey, this is a problem. Here's fix this. Like, do you know, this is a violation. Um, and you know, it, it definitely depends what kind of reaction you get from the business. Um, some of them will be like, Oh shit, we didn't realize that was going to be a problem because we're able and we don't think like, about those kinds of things, or fuck you. Like, <laughs> really, those are the two big reactions, right? I guess you can get apathy, too, but... Um, so, so once that kind of thing has happened and you decide to take it to a bigger level, there are these two options. Um, you, you file a complaint with the U.S. Department of Justice, which then will investigate, eventually and decide if a violation has actually occurred. So DOJ can either enter into mediation with the person in the business, which is supposed to be a quicker and lower-cost approach to resolve violations, or they can sue the business on the person's behalf. Um, you know, alternatively, we could also file a lawsuit in court by passing the DOJ altogether, because it takes fucking forever. <laughs> 
there are not enough people on that um, division and it just there are so many violations and stuff it's part of why ADA violations don't get handled very quickly because it just doesn't it's not on people's radar and there's not enough staffing um there are some states that have gone beyond the ADA and said that you could as a disabled person um also sue for monetary damages um so let's say you try to go to a pharmacy and you can't go in because they don't have an accessible building um and then you like miss days of your medication or something like that like you can sue for monetary damages related to that um again that is not all states that is just some states um and that is not something that is included within the ADA itself. Gussie is looking at me like, yeah, mom, you go. <laughs> He's so cute. Cute biggies. Um, sorry. <laughs> so, so that's what happens now. Representative and general douchebag Ted Poe from Texas thinks that what we disabled people do is get lawsuit happy to try to reclaim a shit ton of monetary damages, which, again, remember, I just said, are not in all states and are not actually part of the ADA. Like, that's that's a local um, <clears throat> states' rights thing, if you will. And this is a, this is a conservative person who hypothetically believes in states' rights, um, but apparently not for this. Anyway, <laughs> um, Poe has literally said the following. Literally. Okay, this is a quote. There is now a whole industry made up of people who prey on small business owners and file unnecessary and abusive lawsuits. This bill will change that by requiring that the business owners have time to fix what is allegedly broken. Allegedly. There is no doubt that this is based in the same ideology that thinks we do all these fucking drive-by reports. Fuck you, Anderson Cooper. I'm sorry. I'm supposedly, like, very remotely related to him, but fuck you, cuz. Fuck you. Um, and you know what? Like, y'all have had fucking years and a shit ton of notice to fix these issues. But blame us, you shit. Like, let's do that. <clears throat> anyway, Poe is the one that introduced this bullshit into the House of Representatives. And here's the text. It's very long. I'm sorry. <laughs> To amend the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990 to promote compliance through education, to clarify the requirements for demand letters, to provide for a notice and cure period before the commencement of a private civil action and for other purposes, be it enacted by the Senate and the House of Representatives of the United States of America and Congress assembled. Section 1, short title. This act may be cited as the ADA Education and Reform Act of 2017. Section 2, compliance through education. In general, based on existing funding, the disability rights section of the Department of Justice shall, in consultation with property owners and representatives of the disability rights community, develop a program to educate state and local governments and property owners on effective and efficient strategies for promoting access 
to public accommodations for persons with a disability as defined in Section 3 of the Americans with Disabilities Act, 42 U.S.C. 12102. Such programs may include training for professionals such as certified access access specialists to provide a guidance of remediation for potential violations of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Materials provided in other languages. The disability rights section of the Department of Justice shall take appropriate actions to the extent practicable to make technical assistance publications relating to compliance with this act and the amendments made by this act available in all the languages commonly used by owners and operators of United States businesses. Section 3, Notice and Cure Period. Paragraph 1 of Section 308A of the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990, 42 U.S.C. 12188A1, is amended to read as follows. Availability of Remedies and Procedures. In general, subject to subparagraph B, the remedies and procedures set forth in Section 204A of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 42 U.S.C. 2000A-3A are the remedies and procedures this title provides to any person who is being subjected to discrimination on the basis of disability in violation of this title or who has reasonable grounds for believing that such person is about to be subjected to discrimination in violation of Section 303. Nothing in this section shall require a person with disability to engage in a futile gesture if such person has actual notice that a person or organization covered by this title does not intend to comply with provisions. B. Barriers to access to existing public accommodations. A civil action under Section 302 or 303 based on the failure to remove an architectural barrier to access into an existing public accommodation may not be commenced by a person aggrieved by such failure unless... One, that person has provided to the owner or operator of the accommodation a written notice specific enough to allow such owner or operator to identify the barrier. And two, (coughs) excuse me, during the period beginning on the date the notice is received and ending 60 days after that date, the owner or operator fails to provide to that person a written description outlining improvements that would be made to remove the barrier. Or if the owner operator provides the written description under subclause 1, the owner or operator fails to remove the barrier or in case of a barrier, the removal of which requires additional time as a result of circumstances beyond the control of the owner or operator fails to make substantial progress in removing the barrier during the period beginning on the date the description is provided and ending 60 days after that date. Whew, hold on. I need a coffee break. Hold on. C. Specification of details of alleged violation. The written notice required under some paragraph B must also specify in detail circumstances under which an individual was actually denied access to a public accommodation, including the address of the property, whether a request for assistance in removing an architectural barrier to access was made, and whether the barrier to access was a permanent or temporary barrier. Section 4, Effective Date. This Act and the amendments made by this Act take effect 30 days after the date of the enactment of this Act. So many parts of Act in there. Jesus Christ. Section 5, Mediation for ADA Actions Related to Architectural Barriers. The Judicial Conference of the United States shall, under Rule 16 of the Federal Rules 
of civil procedure or any other applicable law in consultation with property owners and representatives of the disability rights community, which here, by the way, is put in with, like, not capital letters, like, disability rights community was earlier in the thing. This is all lowercase. Just side note. And representatives of the disability rights community develop a model program to promote the use of alternative dispute resolution mechanisms, including a stay of discovery during mediation, to resolve claims of architectural barriers to access for public accommodations. To the extent practical, the Federal Judicial Center should provide a public comment period on any such proposal. The goal of the model program shall be to promote access quickly and efficiently without the need for costly litigation. The model program should include an expedited method for determining the relevant facts related to such barriers to access and steps taken before the commencement of litigation to resolve any issues related to access. So what does all that fucking shit actually mean? Here's the breakdown, okay? Part one, this removes consequences for ADA violations. Because you can get a fucking stay. You can say, oh, like, I can't put in a ramp, I have no money. Or removing these stairs would be difficult. Part two, this puts it on disabled people to cite specific provisions of the ADA that are being violated in writing. Okay, think about that. Do you know specific provisions of the ADA? I don't at all. (laughs) Like, I fucking love that bill. I will take people to task for violating that shit. I don't know specific provisions. Plus, let's think about it. If somebody is disabled and doesn't have access to that kind of legal document, doesn't have internet access, you know, doesn't have the time to be able to look these things up, how are you going to fucking know which specific provisions you have to cite? You're going to have to go fucking hire a lawyer? You know what? They know that's not going to happen. That's why they're doing this. Okay, businesses have... 60 days after you send them violation in writing, which really to have time from when they actually receive the letter to that 60 days later, you're going to have to send it certified so you have a record of when they actually received it. And then I'm sure they can argue that they didn't get to read it until a month later anyway. So they have 60 days. From the time you send in that violation letter to acknowledge the problem even exists. Then they have 120 days from that to start fixing the issue. That's the better part of six months start to finish there. But businesses can get an additional six months to make what they call substantial progress towards fixing the issue if it's not an easy fix. Like putting an elevator in. On top of all that... Again, businesses really face very few, if any, consequences for these violations years down the line. We're talking over a year if a business gets a stay to to work on that substantial progress. We're talking a year down the line. And that's a year of one of us not being able to go to a pharmacy and having to ask other people to do it for us or whatever. It's fucking bullshit. 
<clears throat> Part of why this bothers me too is the current system is in place to try to resolve things fucking quickly. <laughs> Years down the line is not fucking quickly. On top of that, as I said earlier, I would say 99% of us would try to work on getting these issues fixed locally by talking to the businesses, organizing a protest, working with local organizations, etc., before even thinking about going through the legal process. Why? Because most of us don't trust the same people who will happily oppress us to work on helping us, especially with a severe lack of fundage and inability to add on monetary damages to these suits. Like, I don't fucking have that money, and I'm considered pretty good middle class. Like, no fucking way. <laughs> There's also already technical assistance hotlines and information out there for fucking free in a variety of languages and a variety of, like, material materials, like, like video, audio, reading, etc., like, a lot of different ways to absorb that information to help businesses understand how to comply with the ADA. It's not like they don't have help. They they have a lot of fucking help. And, I mean, again, it's been almost 30 fucking years. Hello. I wish you could see the face I'm making right now because it's not... <sighs> It's like that gif of that guy who's blonde and he's like blinking and he's like, wait, what? What? It's me right now. Except with amazing eyebrows. <laughs> um, okay. So here's a breakdown too. 12 Democrats voted for this bill. If one of these people is your House representative, uh... I mean, everybody needs to get out and fucking vote, but especially you, okay? Like, especially you. <clears throat> so here's the 12 Democrats. California had the most. Uh, Amy Barra, Jackie Spire, Pete Aguilar, Norma Torres, Luis Cornia, and Scott Peters. Illinois' Bill Foster. Uh, Minnesota's Colin Peterson. New York's Kathleen Rice. Oregon's Kurt Schrader. And Texas's Henry Kular, Quayler. I, I am awful. I'm sorry. Um, I also haven't finished my first cup of coffee yet. So those are the Democrats who voted for this bill. The following representatives gave a no vote answer, which could have helped to fucking tear this bill down. But okay. California's Jim Costa and Karen Bass. Connecticut's Joe Courtney. Florida's Theodore and Debbie Wasserman Schultz for fucking shame. Georgia's Stanford Bishop, Illinois' Luis Gutierrez, Kentucky's Hal Rogers, Maryland's Elijah Cummings, New Jersey's Frank LeBlondo, New Mexico's Steve Pierce, South Carolina's Jeff Duncan, and Wyoming's Liz Cheney. Really, Liz? Really? Happily, though, the following Republicans voted against this bill. Alaska's Don Young, Florida's Mario Diaz-Ballert, Illinois' Peter Roskam, Kansas's Kevin Yoder, Mississippi's Greg Harper, Nebraska's Jeff Fortenberry, New Jersey's Chris Smith, Leonard Lance, and Rodney Freilinghosen, I think. <laughs> 
It's very long. Um, Pennsylvania's Glenn Thompson, Ryan Costello, Brian Fitzpatrick, and Lou Barletta. Virginia's Barbara Comstock, Washington's Kathy McMorris-Rogers, and David Reichart. And oddly fucking enough, Wisconsin's James Sensenbrenner. Before I go on, let me tell you a fun story about James Sensenbrenner. I went to... It's not really that fun. I went to the... um, to, to speak with members of Congress. Uh, in 2014, it was March 2014, um, for the Arthritis Foundation's Arthritis Advocacy Summit. And one of the people we visited was James Sensenbrenner. He walked in about 20 minutes late to our meeting, immediately grabbed his Diet Coke out of the fridge, started like, oh, no, it was Diet Pepsi. Ugh, even worse. Okay. And and started like pounding in while not really listening to us and burping without excusing himself. And he was a dick. <laughs> like he represents one of the wealthiest districts in Wisconsin. Uh so I don't think he felt like he needed to listen to us. Anyway, that's a fun story about James Sensenbrenner. <clears throat> Let's move on. Um, <laughs> There are thankfully some legislators who see issues with this, as we already know. Um, you know, I already just just listed Republican people in the House that voted against this bill. Um, there are also a lot of senators who are very concerned about what this is going to do as it moves into the Senate and are really, really championing stopping this bill. Um, Senator Patty Murray from Washington, who's the top-ranking Democrat on the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee, or the HELP Committee, uh-huh, um, gave the following quote. It's deeply concerning that a time when we should be doing everything we can to guard against attacks on the rights of people with disabilities from this administration, members of the House of Representatives are instead pushing to pass a bill that would severely weaken the landmark Americans with Disabilities Act and make it harder to enforce the rights of those with disabilities in our courts. I hope my House colleagues on both sides of the aisle will immediately reverse course and drop any further attempts to move this bill forward, but if they don't, they should know that I will be working hard to ensure it is dead on arrival in the United States Senate and continue to stand up for the rights of all people with disabilities. I see you, Patty. I see you. Also, Senator Bob Casey offered this quote. Today, the House Judiciary Committee moved to gut the rights of people with disabilities to have equal access to restaurants, hotels, theaters, ballparks, websites, and all places and services to which all non-disabled citizens have access. In 1990, Congress, through the Americans with Disabilities Act, affirmed the civil rights of all people with disabilities to have access to all businesses and services offered to the public. Those offering services to the public have had 27 years to make their services available to all. H.R. 620 would further delay making services available and settings accessible and remove the incentive to make businesses and other public entities accessible for people with disabilities. Good legislation would provide support to help businesses comply with the ADA. I stand with the over 250 disability groups that oppose this approach and will fight to protect the civil rights as enshrined in the ADA. Whew. These quotes are great, man. I'm getting, like, teary-eyed. <clears throat> One of my favorite legislators is Sammy... Ah, God. Senator Tammy Duckworth. 
my brain. I'm sorry. She's been a staunch opponent of this bill and has been talking about it since it was introduced at the beginning of this session. If you don't know who she is, look her up because she is one of my absolute favorite people in this entire fucking world. She was the first Asian American woman and the first disabled woman elected to Congress. She is currently preggers too, which means Tammy will be the first sitting senator to give birth and she is due this spring. Oh my God. Before that, she was in the House from 2013 to 2017, in addition to other notable positions like being the director of the Illinois Veterans Affairs Office and all sorts of cool stuff, okay? Like, she's badass. She currently serves as the junior senator from Illinois. Before her political career, though, Duckworth was a helicopter pilot with the U.S. Army. When an RPG hit her cockpit, she lost both of her legs in addition to suffering damage to her right arm. Despite her wounds, she continued to serve until retiring from the National Guard in 2014. You can see why she is pissed with this. She has a great thread on Twitter that um, I want to read some of because it is fucking amazing. And I, I'm putting links to all of the sources and shit in, in the show notes. And I've actually already written out kind of a script for this. So there's a very rough transcript. <clears throat> so Tammy's thread from the morning of February 15th, the day that this house resolution was passed. Ever since I lost my legs, when an RPG tore through the cockpit of my Black Hawk I was flying over Iraq, getting around has been difficult, even with the ADA. I can't always enter public spaces, and I have to spend a lot of time planning how to get from one place to the next. Supporters of H.R. 620 do not deny they are violating the law. They just resent being sued for quote-unquote minor ADA infractions. But an incline that is quote-unquote only a few degrees too steep or an entrance that is quote-unquote only a few inches high can determine if I'm able to access an area without help. Being unable to independently enter a movie theater, store, hotel, or restaurant is not only humiliating, it limits the freedom to pursue certain jobs, access necessary services, and enjoy basic conveniences most Americans do not think twice about. I understand that not everyone thinks these things because for most of my adult life, I didn't either. But the truth is that everyone is just one bad day away from needing accessible options the ADA requires to help them get around. If you don't live with a disability, you might not think of ADA violations as significant at first glance, but I assure you they are significant for those of us who do live with disabilities. That is why I strongly urge all of my colleagues in the House to recognize that disability rights are civil rights by voting no on H.R. 620. Um, we all know that's what happened, <laughs> and, um, it fucking sucks, <laughs> and I'm a little teary-eyed right now, honestly. Tammy Duckworth is an amazing person and someone people have to start listening to when it comes to disability-related legislature. Another person to listen to is Representative Jim Langevin. From Rhode Island, he's the first quadriplegic to serve in Congress. Um, when he was 16 years old, he was volunteering um, as a Boy Scout in the Warwick Police Department. Um, and this was in 1980 when an accidental gun discharge hit him and, you know, 
Now he's a quadriplegic from 16 years old on. He's been serving in the House since 2001, and he is a staunch supporter of stem cell research, too, for treatment of disabilities. His remarks during conversation on this bill the day it was passed are something to note. Um, The actual content of his speech is about five minutes long, and I'm going to actually try to pop that in here. But the quote that really got to me and actually got me crying last night was this one. Um, and, and again, this is right before the bill was passed. It will turn back the clock towards a more segregated society, and it will unravel the core promise of the ADA that a disability, visible or otherwise, can never be grounds to justify or tolerate discrimination. Okay, so since I'm technologically not cool, what I'm going to do <laughs> is play this on my phone into my speaker <laughs> or into my microphone. There's also a link if this sounds horrible in the show notes, okay? I rise in strong opposition to H.R. 620, the ADA Education and Reform Act. This misguided piece of legislation is being sold to my colleagues and the American public as a measure that will help people with disabilities, help businesses overcome into compliance uh, with the American Disabilities Act, and help reduce drive-by lawsuits in states that have gone beyond the ADA to allow for monetary awards. In actuality, H.R. 620 doesn't accomplish any of these objectives. What's worse, if passed, this ill-considered bill will not only decimate the protections that people with disabilities rely on, it will turn back the clock to more to more segregated society and it will unravel the core promise of the ada that a disability visible or otherwise can never be grounds to justify or tolerate discrimination mr speaker i'm angry i'm frustrated i'm insulted but more than anything i'm disappointed further neither mr peters nor mr poe ever even approached me to sit down and have a discussion about this bill to try to find some kind to try to actually fix the problem if it is about drive-by lawsuits. Has the Congress really become so divorced from the human experience of the disability community that we're willing to sacrifice their rights because it's easier than targeting the root of the problem? Are people with disabilities, people like me, so easily disregarded? I'm here to say enough is enough. Mr. Speaker, whether someone is born with a disability, develops a disability, or becomes disabled due to an accident, or from having served in our armed forces, the fundamental truth is that it happened by chance, certainly not by choice. As the first quadriplegic elected to the United States Congress, I overcame many obstacles to sit beside you as a member of this chamber. But I would never have had the opportunities that I cherish today without the tireless efforts of those that came before me to fight for the right for people with disabilities. Now, Mr. Speaker, I was injured in 1980 at just 16 years of age, a full 10 years before the passage of the ADA. And I certainly remember what life was like before the ADA became law. I remember that I couldn't go inside a public building that didn't have a a ramp, couldn't travel without accessible transportation, 
and was excluded from gatherings in restaurants and libraries, movie theaters, and sports venues that uh, couldn't accommodate a wheelchair. I struggled to wash my hands at a, at a sink, access a restroom, and enter a classroom. I even declined matriculation at my first choice college because the challenge of getting around the campus would have been too difficult, if not impossible. The ADA, Mr. Speaker, brought more than just the recognition that uh, disability rights are civil rights. It brought hope and opportunity to to people, and it brought dignity. Mr. Speaker, after all, having a disability should not limit opportunity, and it is with opportunity that people with disabilities can lead more active, productive, and independent lives. The ADA was passed nearly 28 years ago, and instead of holding people accountable to correctly implement uh, the law, especially when free resources and technical information are readily available, H.R. 620 weakens federal protections under the ADA, protections that prohibit discrimination on the basis of a disability. The ADA does not uh, allow people to sue for compensatory or punitive damage. It damages only injunctive relief. Yet some states have gone beyond the federal law to permit monetary awards. H.R. 620 seeks to address the issue uh, by in including a notice and cure period. Well, the idea that places of public accommodation should receive a free pass for six months before correctly implementing a law that has been a part of our legal framework for nearly three decades creates an obvious disincentive for ADA compliance. People with disabilities, Mr. Speaker, still face immeasurable obstacles despite progress of our great nation since the passage of the ADA. This past year, the disability community has had to fight to preserve access to health care. The long-term services and supports that are a lifeline for so many under Medicaid and the ability to maintain certain protections and, and, and credits under the, uh, under the tax code. Well, Mr. Speaker, they're tired and I'm tired of defending against efforts to weaken our rights. I urge my colleagues to see past the smoke and mirrors and irresponsible claims that H.R. 620 is anything but an appalling effort to strip away the civil rights of a protected class of Americans. Mr. Speaker, vote in support of H.R. 620 will be a message to people with disabilities that we are not worthy of inclusion, acceptance, or deserve the same civil rights protections as others. Mr. Speaker, as members of Congress, Americans with disabilities look upon us to defend their rights. Let us not let us let us not vote to eliminate them. Let us make them proud. So, uh, yeah, that hit me hard in the best way. Um, I apologize for the glitches. They seem to actually be on the YouTube video um, because when I was watching it on my computer last night and on my phone, um, we, we still had kind of those interrupting glitches. Um, I, I think that the representative has a great point. I think, um, that people don't understand the kind of things that we have had to go through in the last, God, 50 years, um, let alone the last year alone. Um, and it's been very, very scary, I think. Um, I know that. Personally, I am exhausted as fuck. Um, I 
am tired (laughs) of trying to fight all of these different things coming down the pipeline, not just against, you know, those of us with disabilities, but against LGBTQ plus people and against my friends who are immigrants and my friends who are undocumented and everything else. I am just exhausted. Um, And I know you probably are too. I know that this last year and a half has been a whole bundle of bullshit that none of us wanted. And it's very difficult. It's very difficult. There was um, last week when they passed this, I actually went, you know what? If you guys want to, like, kill me so much, like, just do it. Like, can you just figure it out and, like, figure out how to legally feel good about doing that and move on? Because this is so much. So much. But at the same time, I think about, um, you know, my niblings, my niece and nephew, and how much I love them and how much... I want them to have protections that, you know, uh, people are trying to get rid of right now. I want them to be able to have access to those things if they need it. And, you know, especially my nephew was born with a congenital heart defect. And so I always think about him first when I think about these things because, you know, it, it was almost three years ago now that he was born and had to, you know, have open heart surgery. And um, he's just the cutest fucking little kid. I can't even. And my niece. Like, I just love them both so much that that's kind of fueling my fight right now for these things. It's not even for those of us that need it right now. It's it's because those kids deserve to have these rights. Um, we shouldn't have to be fighting for them all over again 27, 28 years later here. It's fucking bullshit. But, um, you know, it's, I guess, the nature of dealing with this administration. Clearly, um, if you're not a white, cishet, middle to upper class dude... Uh, who's abled, you're fucked, right? And even, you know, depending on your level of disability, maybe maybe it's okay for you, but it's not okay for me. <laughs> this is not okay for me. Um, so I want you to take a deep breath <laughs> and... Um, you know, do what you can to fight this. Reach out to your senators. Utilize ResistBot to help you. Um, find out where your senators stand on this. And, you know, figure out if there are senators in your state you can try to turn. God, this sounds like queer Hogwarts or something. Like, you're going to turn them into, like, super queerdos. But, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, see who you can talk to. Because... There are a lot of our, you know, elected representatives that don't necessarily understand the weight of the things we're dealing with. Um, I know back in 2014, 2013, 2014, um, 
I met with my um, local representative that's in the House, um, who clearly voted no on this because it's fucking bullshit. But um, he is a fantastic person, super, super magnanimous, like incredibly charismatic, um, does magic. (laughs) He's really fun. Anyway, um, and he's super queer, which just makes my little heart so happy to have Mark Pocan and then Senator Tammy Baldwin. I just, my heart. Um, but, but I met with Mark and I talked to him about living with arthritis and about the kinds of things that that means and the kinds of things that we have to go through. Um, not not just focusing on people with arthritis, although that was the main point, um, but, you know, all of us and how people can die from arthritis. And, and so many people don't know that. And he was teary-eyed. He had no idea. He was incredibly shocked. Um, and ever since kind of that time period. Um, he's worked really, really hard to support things that would benefit the arthritis and, and disability communities. And I'm very, very grateful to have elected members of our Congress who are willing to listen to those things. Um, you know, there, there are some who don't give a fuck, uh, Senator Ron Johnson would be one of them. He does not give a fuck. Um, he makes me not proud to be Wisconsinite. So does our governor, but that's okay. It's not okay, but I'm trying not to go off on a tangent. Um, and anyway, just just see what you can do in your area. You may not be able to meet with people directly. Um, maybe a friend of yours can take time off work or, or works later in the day or something and can go and, and take your story with them and talk about that. Um, it doesn't have to be you specifically. You can call, you can use ResistBot to, to call or send fax or an email. Um, faxes and, and calls tend to work better than emails though. I think a lot of senators don't and, and representatives don't read their emails. Um, Especially because when they do, they send you a form email back like six months later. So it's just not time timely. Um, so yeah, do what you can to help fight this bill um, and take care of yourself in the meantime. If you're in the Toronto area, hit me up and um, we'll see if we can hang out at some point this weekend. Um, consider coming to the Playground Conference on Sunday especially. And, um, yeah, take care of you, and I will talk to you in two weeks. Chronic Sex is produced every two weeks by me, Kirsten Schultz. I use music from Pottington Bear because they're awesome. You can find show notes and more over at chroniccex.org. If you're enjoying listening to the show, please subscribe, and that way you won't miss a single episode. If you're on iTunes, it'd be really chill if you take a minute to rate the show, too. Not only does it give me great feedback, but it also helps the podcast get seen by people who may not know it exists. And that's pretty cool. You can support us over at patreon.com slash chronic sex. 
As always, you can find links to everything at chroniccex.org, from social media accounts to resources to sex toy reviews and more. Until next time, please take care of yourself and remember that you are a freaking badass.